In a world where we're constantly told that men are from Mars and women are from Venus and never shall the two understand each other, I know there's another way. This is what happens when Venus and Mars unite. Tune in for conversations about masculine and feminine embodiment in ourselves and in the world around us, relationships, marriage, parenthood, love, purpose, dating, and everything in between. This is the Venus and Mars podcast, and I'm your host, Anya Shack. This is an incredible topic and one that is dear to my heart, and I'm just about to gush over my guests that I have here because I love them so much, and I'm so grateful to them. I've got Ben and Chloe Gower here with me. Hi, guys. Welcome. Hello. Hi. I'm going to do a little intro, but I met Ben and Chloe about, what is it now, five and a half years ago? Something I think so. Like that, Yeah. We were in a leadership course together, and I met them, and I just got a little sneak peek into who they are and their relationship together and what they bring out of each other through this course. And then I got to know them as the years went on. And Chloe is actually someone that has a background in um, nutrition, fitness, gut health, supporting women with their mindsets and in their bodies and really helping women be able to figure out who they are, how they feel and uh, to find freedom in their own skin. And that's something that she did for me. And I will forever be grateful to her for that. Um, so she's had her business through that. And uh, she's an entrepreneur. And then her husband, Ben, he comes from a background of sales, correct? Yeah. And he got into different businesses. He created a, a couple of different businesses. One I know for sure called High Impact Coach, where he helped a lot of fitness professionals make money, find their own abundance, create businesses that were really successful for them, right? Yeah, yeah. And so these two entrepreneur duos, they have now kind of made their way out of the coaching space into real estate, correct? Yep, and yeah. more so cybersecurity. Okay, Awesome. Well, I'm so excited for what you guys do next. <laughs> well, welcome, welcome. And I'm so happy to have you both. This is the first time having a couple on the show. So I'm excited. Awesome. Ooh, this should be fun then. Let's just dive in a little bit. So we are talking about marriage. It's something that I started to be really interested in over the past few months, weeks, especially to have this conversation because I read this article uh, by this guy, Rob Henderson, around luxury beliefs and this idea that the high status upper class essentially projects and voices these different ideologies towards the lower class that they don't actually follow themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And so for one of them is like defunding the police, right? Like the upper class can say, let's defund the police because they actually live in uh, gated communities that <laughs> don't require the police. Mm -hmm. Another one of them was marriage, right? There's this idea that marriage is archaic and outdated. Fuck the patriarchy, all of that. It's mm -hmm. kind of this big thing that has been um, spreading in society. Whereas those people that are usually talking about that are indeed married themselves. Mm -hmm. So that got my interest because I'm someone that wants to get married. I'm someone that respects people that are married. I think mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing. And I would love to talk about right away just what you guys think around that conversation around marriage and why people don't want to get married right now and why that that's happening in our society. What do you guys think? I think the shiny object of being able to be with multiple people. It sounds fun when you haven't really been, I guess, illuminated to what the truth is. And the truth is, I think we were designed, you can say we evolved or, or whatever you want to believe, but I think we were designed in such a way that we are meant 
for one person and that person is there in your your life not just to be a source of pleasure or connection although those are definitely present in a marriage but also equally a source of transformation because a lot of times like it's, we dealt with this a lot more earlier on in our marriage that I would figure out like how to push her buttons and I would push them. Mm. You would figure out how to push my <laughs> buttons and push them. That caused some fights, but through some mentorship and guidance that we had from amazing human beings, we started to figure out that, hey, that button wouldn't even exist if I did the work on myself. And so we quickly started going from being victims and just angry with the other person to being like, okay, that made me really upset. What is it within me that I need to look at healing and go through some processes with? Anyway, so I, I think that marriage and relationships are meant for transformation as much as anything else. But I also think that it's an attractive thing to have variety, right? And not have to have anything that's a commitment tying you down. Mm. But then you find out that the end of that is you feel pretty dang empty and it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And to add to that, um, because I mean, these are conversations we have. I think that the way that we're grown up and the lens of how the world works is very influential on our decision, whether Mm -hmm. marriage is something important or if it's like you said, archaic and not of use, particularly with you know, even in like a church setting, just like secular setting, whatever it is, marriage rates are not great. Like divorce is inevitable. So people assume that if I get married, then that will be the result. Mm. of that. And so that's a huge driving force for people to be like, well, I'm not going to get married. Like if we just date mm. it, we don't make, we don't speak out of our mouths that there needs to be a lifelong mm. commitment, then there will be less pressure. And because I can have a foot out the door at all times, then things will work out because that's not what I saw someone else who got a divorce do. They didn't try that. So we'll try that. Mm. That's one part of it. I think too, like there's the pain of, you know, relationships ending or seeing a divorce where it's like, you know, Hey, my, my dad cheated on my mom or my mom cheated on my dad. And so it doesn't work to be in a monogamous relationship. It doesn't work to get married and have a commitment. So people look through the lens of what they've been through, which is fine. Like our experiences shape us and they grow us. And it's, you know, those are gifts. And at the same time, a lot of times we live out of our trauma, like you and I were talking about a little bit before the call. And when we never fully heal the view that we have or like look at the potential of what marriage could actually be or what it what it is, then what we end up doing is we live out of our fear and our scarcity and our experiences instead of purpose. We're living out of experiences instead of purpose. So then what happens is that in any relationship, we always have one foot out. And Ben experienced this with me, like, you know, just in my past, even being married and knowing on like having the foundation that we can talk about further later, but that marriage is like forever and it's going to grow me and I'm committed and we grow together and we have these core beliefs that, that evolve and grow, but they grow like together. Even with that, I still had a foot out, out of the door, even through some of Mm. when we started self-development, because I felt that I need to always have my own thing and be ready to run if he does something that would cause rejection to me because my experience of life growing up was that 
if I'm vulnerable, then I'll get rejected or I'll be left. But I was living out of my trauma. In summary with that, and we can dive deeper into this, but when we you know, perceive marriage out of our lens of what our experience has been that's mm-hmm. been negative towards marriage, that's what the label that we give it. So mm-hmm. we have to be careful to not like to see it kind of at, for what it is versus what we've experienced. And that's hard. That's really hard. That could be a challenge. That makes so much sense. What really struck me when you guys were talking is just, yeah, the perceptions and also what are the beliefs? So it's like, what are those things and how do you shape them? It's this idea of like, you know, I'll see it when I believe it, right? So it's like, what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about, you know, what you deserve? I guess that's really the question. So that makes a lot of sense for me. So how did you guys go about really laying out the belief system that you had to create this kind of long lasting partnership. So there was individual work that happened on both sides before Mm -hmm. we ever met because I was in a relationship that I now have a beautiful daughter from that didn't work out. Uh, We were engaged anyways, it, it ended and I went on more of a journey in the sense of like, okay, what is it that I actually want? And mm-hmm. when I mapped all that out and got crystal clear on this unicorn woman that I didn't believe existed. Chloe. <laughs> when, when I mapped all that out, then the next question was just like, am I the man that w- a woman like that would want to be with? Mm-hmm. And the answer was no. That's when I started really working on myself with mentorship and and guidance. And at that time, it wasn't like hiring coaches. I I hadn't been introduced to the coaching industry or even knew what that was. But at that time, it was pastors and people in the, the church that I trusted what they had to say around money, around relationships, because they had the kind of relationships that I wanted to have. And so I just made that more of a focus. That took me seven years. You could probably go through it a lot faster. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, near the end of that seven years, it was like for three months, it was like the for the first time for three months before I met Chloe, I was genuinely content being single. Yeah. The whole rest of the time, I was like, I did not want to be single. I wanted to be in a relationship, but uh, I also didn't want to settle, right? Like yeah. I wanted... It's just like, because I knew how ugly things can end when somebody wasn't that like perfect match for you. Yeah. And so I was committed to like, I want to be in a relationship, but I am not entering into a relationship unless it is exactly what I want, period. Mm. And that kept me single for a long time, I think. But I think that (laughs) was a, it was a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's great. Mm -hmm. So hold on. I also want to backtrack real quick. One of my favorite things also that you said is like why people aren't getting married. Well, this idea that like freedom and exploration and, you know, Mm -hmm. having the options of having whatever you want, whenever Mm -hmm. you want is very attractive. And then it makes me think of that's the same way people feel about like their goals. Right. If Mm -hmm. you think about like what true freedom is, is actually being devoted to something and creating something that's long lasting and people have a hard time wrapping their minds around what that, what that means. I'd love for you guys talk about that and how that kind of relates. Oh, I would love to talk about this because yes. so you, you and I know both cause we've had many conversations about this. I have a history of autoimmune. And so 
I had to make the decision at a really young age because I, I started really young with autoimmune and was told by doctors, you'll never live a normal life. You may never, you may never have kids. Like these are things doctors should never say. And that's beside the point, but I had to make the decision and have the vision for, well, that's not the life that I want to live. I, I envisioned myself having energy and being vibrant and, and like just being full of life and being committed. And, And I'm committed to creating that. So like foundationally a vision is really important. And this is like, spans across like your spirituality and lifestyle if you are just setting goals it's not enough you have to have vision and identity and then come up with amazing systems because even in Mm -hmm. marriage if you don't have great systems that you're gonna fall short even if you have a really great vision and that'll be a guiding Mm -hmm. force to help implement those systems but goals is like five percent like super super small sliver guiding force it's not enough though it's your identity and what you believe that's the driving force. So for example, with my health, and this relates to marriage, but with my health, my vision was of like having a family, having children, being vibrant with my energy, being able to get out of bed every day. And so even though I would have so many days where I didn't see that, it's still because it was my vision, I was relentless with it. And I and the yeah. discipline now gives me the freedom that many other women don't have Mm. to get up every day and like cook my husband lunch, cook us lunch together, go to the store, you know, exercise, be in good shape, be vibrant, have a normal cycle. And so as much like we were talking about this before, as much as like people freedom can look like, oh, I just need to like be a free spirit. That's great. Like keep your free spirit. But what things can you implement that like guide that freedom that are a guiding force Mm. for freedom because freedom is not free. And, you know, as much as sleeping around, like if that's what you want to do, go for it. But there's a cost to that. There's a cost to that even there. And so in relationship, the discipline and the commitment and the vision that you have of being with that one person and that we're going to grow together. We're going to, we're going to become powerful together. We're going to have a marriage where we're in love every year after every year, more and more Mm we just keep getting better that vision is our guiding force and then the disciplines and the systems that lead up to that they really are not ever a painful thing like there's times where it's hard but it's not painful because the vision's so strong that's so powerful this is really i think getting at the heart of purposeful marriage versus um one that's just based on emotion or feeling Mm -hmm. just like you guys were talking about Mm -hmm. and I love this notion of like having this big vision and like working towards that together. What would you say to people that say things like, well, people are so complex and so much happens to each person and over the span of five years, 10 years, people grow and they change, right? What, you know, people grow apart. It's totally okay. Like it happens. Like we can't fault people for that. What would you say that is about versus kind of the way you see a marriage being forever? Yeah, I remember telling Chloe really early on that people are going to grow and we are going to change. So we can either just let life happen and potentially end up apart, or we can be intentional about how we are growing and grow closer together. I mean, going back to this concept of like, we all have our own journey, but we, when we experience trauma at a young age, we get developed this thing called an ego and it 
develop stories that protect us and they work yeah. at the time, but as we become adults, they keep us in our childhood. So we become yeah. wildlike in a lot of ways. So with that concept, like if we're just looking at it purely from a psychological perspective, we can look yeah. at it spiritually too, but just psycho- like psychology. If those things weren't in place and we just continue to grow and work through those, I, I would go so far to say that every relationship could work out. Like if each person was really willing to really work on their stuff and grow some people in their stuff, when they make the decision, it's a lot, they have a lot further to go. And so sometimes, mm-hmm. sure, on the out, outside, it does make more sense to give up and just restart with someone that maybe yeah. there doesn't seemingly seem like there's a lot of work. Yeah. But when I think even though we, we were married super young, but even then there was this awareness that like a marriage is work, but a lot of times it's more, it's less work like together or on the other person. It's more mm. in and so mm. because we both had that revelation at a young age, even though like we got into self-development together and it was amazing and I'm super thankful. There was still this revelation at a young age and a belief system that, well, of course, like marriage will be hard work and we'll have to learn and we'll have to grow. But it's my responsibility, like more yeah. than anything. And because we both had that mindset, I think it matters to have like similar core values. Like it, it would have sucked if like we got married and I was like, yeah, I want to be a stay-at-home mom right away. And then two years later, I don't really feel like I want to have kids. Like that's a pretty yeah. drastic change though. Yes. So if you if you start out the marriage really not knowing who you are and then you discover yourself within that, that is problematic. But if you go into it knowing like some semblance of your core values and it's mm. just the trauma and the reactions that you need to get out of the way mm. – you're a lot further along than otherwise. So getting clear on that, like that vision, the identity, super important for us, as much as we we've grown so much, we're not the same people. Like when I look at him, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I am married to a completely different person than I was like seven and a half years ago on our wedding day, totally different person. But at the same time, even though we've grown and like I look at him and I'm like, dang, this is like I am so much more attracted even now to this man than I, I was. I get more muscles now. Well, men like, grow better as they age, right? Isn't that the yeah, thing? Aging like a fine wine. <laughs> but um, but the like the core values have not changed, even though we're better. Like we are still spiritual. We are we yeah. still have a family and want a family. Like you know, we started our marriage with a child and. But that was something that I wanted. I was like, I want to be a mom. I'll be her mom. She's my daughter and we can have more kids. But I was meant to be a mom and I know that. So we went into the marriage. We want to have legacy. We want to have, we don't want to do the nine to five thing. We want to work our butts off, especially Ben, so that we can stay home with the kids. And like, those are things we knew super early on. And that can be challenging if you don't know those things early on. So if you're listening and you're not married or you're dating even if you're dating someone, I encourage you to like really spend a lot of time sitting with what are my core values that as I grow, those things will only grow. It mm. could be that you're always going to be active for your whole life. You right. may swimming versus running, but you're always going right. to be active or that I want to have a family, you know, whatever it is, or that I'm, you know, I'm spiritual or that whatever those core values are, I encourage you to find those on your own first. Uh, even yeah. if you're in a relationship, because if you don't, and then you end up in a marriage, and you completely refine yourself and heal things that guide you down a different path, that is a little bit harder to pivot on. So amazing. First of all, thank you for laying that out so clearly for everybody who's listening, the ego and how that's developed as a child. Mm -hmm. And so it 
just is very obvious to me now at this point of like, in order to understand your core values and who you are without external influences, you really must heal your trauma. You must be in process of healing that so that you can understand that what I desire and what I deserve is for me as opposed to, oh, well, I'm open. I could go either way because you haven't learned yourself yet. Mm -hmm. And that's where I find that some of the problems happen where the divorce rates are so high, for example, is because people are jumping into relationships that they probably shouldn't be in, in regards to um, get making them serious be- before they actually have figured out that actually we're, we're not very compatible at all. Yeah. They don't get yeah. past the honeymoon phase. Which is hard to find that you're not compatible if you're just high on the sex, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the beginning of any relationship that is, doesn't have, you know, those kind of boundaries in place. Like it's hard right. to notice the red flags. So good. Or even just ignore them intentionally because the sex is good. That's a perfect segue into talking about a little bit, because we talked about psychology just a bit, kind of want to jump into biology and how men and women are and just biology and how that kind of works with spirituality, how those Mm -hmm. two things kind of work. So, you know, we all know that male and female sexuality is so different, right? And so in regards to male sexuality, it's not so based around safety and emotion. It's a little separate from that. It's Mm -hmm. dopamine hits, desire, pursuit, sexuality. It doesn't have to be spiritually or emotionally connected. Whereas for women, it's definitely more related to feeling safe because if we think about evolutionarily and how things have gone, um, women, infants, protection. This idea of men spreading their seed, sex versus commitment and how those two things um, come together, right? In partnership with someone. I'm curious, maybe Ben, you can tackle this one, but this notion of when and kind of why you decided to commit to one woman during that seven-year process that you were talking about, like what was that shift in your mind where your biology was met with your spirituality? We are Christians. Um, And there is a passage in the Bible at the very end of Proverbs. It's like a thing in the Christian world that you want a Proverbs 31 woman. Proverbs 31, it starts at like verse 10 that uh, who can find a virtuous wife for her uh, worth is far above rubies and and just goes on about like the characteristics of this woman. And she's actually a very powerful woman. She's not just like submitted and doing nothing. Like she's doing business, making things happen. Like she's a badass. And there's a lot of emphasis in the Christian world on that. But when I was reading through it myself, I was just like, okay, the first nine verses of that chapter all have to do with the men. Mm. Uh, Like it's an encouragement from Solomon's mother to Solomon. King Solomon, he's a a famous character even outside of people who are in the church that uh, he's a very fascinating human being. But it was his mother, Bathsheba, giving him encouragement on and guidance on like, this is what you got to do. And that was three things. Don't drink. Don't be given over to alcohol. Don't give your power to women and be a voice for the voiceless. And I'm I'm paraphrasing, but those were like the three qualifications that you needed to to have to be worthy of basically the Proverbs 31 woman. And so during that seven year period, I didn't drink, did not give my power to women. I meaning I wasn't just single. Like I 
didn't have any physical relationships at all. Mm. And I didn't really know how to be a voice for the the voiceless, but I did start doing door-to-door sales and uh, mm. growing my ability to communicate and influence. Yeah. And so yeah. I was really intentional about like, how can I grow in the, those three areas? Because I, I knew that the unicorn woman was out there for me. I knew yeah. it and I didn't want to screw it up. <laughs> You know, beautiful. So yeah, it was all about like, okay, if that's the thing, then I'm, I'm in. However, had I known at the very start of that thing that it would take me seven years, I don't (laughs) think I would have like committed to the process. Like every day was a a battle (laughs) and a struggle to be like, where is she? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I said what I said earlier, that it was just like, finally, there was that three month period where I was like, Ah, I can be free. I can just enjoy life. I'm fully present with it. And then of course it's in that zone of complete unattachment that that's when she comes. Okay. And I'll add this too. Like, I I think sometimes that we give men a bad rap, like that, you know, and and I'm not saying anybody's saying this specifically, but just like in general, it's like men just want to sleep around and women are like considered whores if they sleep around, like, and like, there's this, but I think in general, like, yes, it's true. Women are more, we're we're like, we didn't have birth control just, you know, whatever, hundred years ago, other than sticking copper coins up there, which is a whole nother topic. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) we didn't have birth control. So we had to be really picky with who we were with. And we wanted some form of commitment because if we got pregnant, well, now we're at a disadvantage for nine months. And then even when the child's born, so biologically as women, like, I mean, we can talk about the spiritual side of it, but just biologically, like, we're like, okay, I got to find someone that will be willing to care for me in this child because it's not just about me. And then, but on the man part of it, like, sure, like men maybe are, they can have a higher sex drive. They can is the, the word. I think women can have just as much of a sex drive. But in general, we overlook sometimes that like, maybe they're told that that's how they should be. So then they go down that path. And they've never been taught that like the value of of commitment and being in a relationship and being supported by a woman and being loved and like that they have oxytocin and all these hormones that need to be filled. You know what I mean? Like, like they, they're kind of overlooked in that regard. Like they're just like as intimate, beautiful, connected creatures as we are. And yes. women may be more tender and like loving and like maybe we need those things so that we can love the baby the way that we need to or whatever. Mm. But like I know for Ben, like he needs to be supported. He needs to be encouraged. Mm. And if he is sleeping around, like not that some woman that he just had a one night stand with wouldn't do that, but he's not going to feel that that support at the same level as if he's in a committed relationship and the commitment also, and and the thought of that, I get to have a family with this person that is motivation to stay committed yeah. and to build legacy and to go further than just the biology part of it. Right. Cause if you can just sleep yeah. around with everybody, like sure, it might be exciting to make money so that you can impress women and get a new girl every night. But then how long does that last before now you're 45 and you're like, what is my legacy? Who's going to look over my casket when I'm like on my deathbed? Like men will start to think those thoughts as they get older. So all that to say that men are also complex creatures too. And they Mm. desire in relationship and like 
And even when you look in history of men that had like multiple relationships, it was always wives or concubines. So they were, they were still responsible for that woman Mm -hmm. just historically, like based on their, what their financial and property looked like and what they owned, they could have that many women to take care of and to raise children. And it was about the children even then too. Like it was like, they weren't out sleeping with random people. They would like marry someone and have them as a wife for the rest of their lives. So I think that Ben would be stressed out if he had four wives. That might be super stressful. (laughs) That was such a beautiful description. I love that. Anyways, in summary, I just, I think that sex drive is beautiful. And I, I, and like kind of sad at how the church like puts so much shame on sex like we should right. be sex like super early like when you're 14 you should, we should talk about it all the time so you're grossed out so that you don't even feel tempted and like there's not the shiny object syndrome like let's totally. talk about it like let's talk about you know so totally. i think that it's twofold like yes there's that desire I'm sure Ben yes. still, and maybe I still, there's times where we see someone and we're like, oh, that's an attractive person. She says, maybe I still. Of course you <laughs> still. <laughs> so we'll see like the attractive person, right? And it's yeah. like, I'm sure if I allowed myself to spend time with the awesome guy, like, and, and put myself in that situation, sure, it'd be like, I'm a biological human being. So because I know what I have, I don't put myself in that situation. Like we have guy friends. They're amazing. We hang out with them. But like I am smart enough to know my boundaries because what I have, I don't want to give up. And Ben feels the same way is what we have is something that you can't trade for like being in another relationship or like being with someone else. You can't get that. And when you disrupt what you've built, like imagine years building you know, a a building like years, brick by brick, you're building this building and someone offers you like, you're really hungry and someone offers you like a peach to give up this whole building. It's like, (laughs) no, that's probably not. Right. So it's just, it's, it's a really bad example, but all that to say. No, I loved it. Chloe, you're on fire. You're on fire today. It's beautiful. All that to say, I think if people knew what was available to them, yeah. Because we've been married for seven and a half years, going on eight. If they knew yeah. what was available to them and like in the commitment and in yeah. the like the covenant relationship, they probably would choose to be in that. But they yeah. potentially someone might not know what's available because it sounds terrible. It sounds limiting and like that there's like, oh, I'm gonna be stuck. Like I, I hate feeling stuck. But that's to me, right. I don't feel stuck at all, ever. I don't think Ben does right. either. Sounds like it's the the opposite. It's not an anchor, but it's a voyage. Yeah, you guys have been on a long voyage, um, and some and a lot of people think of a committed relationship as an anchor, like mm-hmm. a trap. Versus, I love like, that. Yeah, I was gonna say that one thing that really helped us both be free in our relationship and drop a lot of the walls. There were still some walls, but drop most of them was, I don't know, you see a lot of relationships that are very, you know, where have you been? Like, where are you going? I got to know where you're at and keep tabs at all times. And Chloe and I never really did that because it was just like, hey, we love each other. We are committed to this relationship. And at the end of the day, if you were to cheat on me in a year from now or whatever, and I always had my heart guarded, 
then I'm missing out on being able to love you fully right now. If that were to happen, obviously we would part ways and the relationship would end, but it doesn't make sense to live in fear of anything like that happening because that fear is just driving a wedge between us and the intimacy. Mm -hmm. And then creating that self-fulfilling prophecy. Bingo. Absolutely. Oh, you guys are saying such beautiful things. Essentially, I, I get, I also am seeing that, you know, there's a lot of purposeful commitment and like self work that happened on your end and continues to happen within the marriage. And a lot of just like, especially from you, like this intention before the seven years and during the seven years, what would you say is going through the mind of someone that's like the casual dater guy, you know, that's like, I'm curious because I feel like you know the answer to this. (laughs) What do I feel like is going through the mind of a casual dater? Like the guy that's like, yeah, like I'm not into the whole idea of committed relationships. Like I'm just, I go with the flow. Like what do you think that's a front for? Really? (laughs) None of them actually feel that way. (laughs) Right. So like I know people that literally taught pickup, like taught guys how to – approach the girl in the club and what to say and how to show up so that you could take her home in the same night. Like I know these people and they're, they're friends of mine. Like it's not just like one or two conversations. Like these are people I'm in contact with on a regular basis and they've all gotten vulnerable at one point or another and said, you know what, Ben, like what I really, really want is what you have with Chloe. Yeah. And it's just like, well, you can change your ways, but it's going to be an uncomfortable process of uh, being single for a minute, working on whatever is in your heart where you feel like you need to have that constant variety and shallow relationship, right? That seems to me like it's in parallel with the independent woman trope, like that mm-hmm. I don't need anyone. Also mm-hmm. the casual using guys for sex, like I don't need anyone. I, I handle everything by myself. This like idea that I don't need anyone to take care of me or the fear of actually being vulnerable is what that is. Yeah. Whenever I see somebody on the internet saying that they're a boss babe, it's just like, all right, who hurt you? You know, like, (laughs) like how are you trying to protect yourself and not need to be dependent on anybody else? Because Mm -hmm. the reality is men, women, we're all designed in a way to be dependent, not just in intimate relationships, but with other people in general. I I think it's this like self-talk of, if I allowed myself to even dabble in the thoughts and the beliefs and like hope for that and be let down, it would be worse than if I just completely blocked myself off to that and see that as the devil. Mm. Like, because it, the worst thing would be for your greatest desire to be something that isn't possible for you. So if you don't want it, then it and you keep it at an arm's length and you tell yourself that you don't want it, then at least you're safe because you made the decision yeah. that you didn't yeah. you don't want that versus the rejection of going there and then it not happening. And it's it's a real fear. Like rejection's real. Like we've all experienced rejection. Yeah, absolutely. If we like feel that but but is that not rejecting ourselves because what we really want is do you know what I mean like it's yeah. it's kind of a catch-22 so 
it's difficult because we've experienced different levels of rejection. And I can't imagine what some like, you know, not to go into details, but what some people have been through in their rejection journey that I can't relate. So who am I to say anything? I can only speak on my own, own personal experiences and understanding what I do about the human mind and spirituality. But that's hard when you've been through extensive rejection and the more relationships you're rejected in, the more that it confirms this like, it like confirmation bias, like, well, this is how it will always be. And that that's what's hard with the people that have been with a lot of people, not there's no judgment, there's no shame, but more people that you've experienced a specific thing with in relationship the more that any relationship you enter into now, no matter what, you have that in the back of your mind that like, here's the example of like, you know, going back to the, instead of purpose, we have our experiences and it's hard. It's a challenge. I'm not going to say hard. Hard is not knock on wood. Challenging. (laughs) It's challenging to shift, but it's possible to shift. It's an opportunity. Purpose. Right. It's an opportunity. But the more, confirmation we have the more we tend to live in the confirmation quote-unquote versus a promise that totally makes sense I mean it's just this constant self-talk of like well all men are or all women are whatever it is that happened or this all coming from that first man or woman your father or your mother that was blank fill in the blank to whatever that that was for you it's a self-fulfilling prophecy right continuing Mm -hmm. to believe that thing that you think is true, but is actually just a historical experience and could be um, shifted and you could find your way to a new truth, which is what happens when people are brave enough to dive into their trauma. Yeah, it can be a process though. So give yourself a lot of grace. (laughs) It can be a process. Yeah. A lifelong process. It's beautiful. I find that even people, you know, that are perhaps not even not Christian, or maybe they're a different religion, or they don't believe in God, but they believe in some sort of spirit. The most successful relationships are the ones that have these like fundamental core values that they both connect over. Yeah, It's been really powerful to watch those, those um, mm-hmm. because I think everyone's kind of clued into the fact that our lives are stronger and better when we have this. Yeah, totally. Believing what you will, if we just for the moment assume that we're created in the image of God, like even if we don't yeah. know him, we still do yeah. things that like are in that image that we are, we were created. So if you find people in relationship where most people, we, you know, you and I were talking about this, most relationships that are working, like there's some level of like looking beyond self, whether, whatever it be. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. at the same time, people, like you said, if they've figured out these principles that maybe yeah. were in their creation or who they were created to be, and they tap into these principles, then regardless of what they know it to be, the principles still work. The fundamentals still work. Like the laws still work, you know, the function is still functioning. I think one of the other things that is having me really start to understand that physical attraction and sex is pretty much like one eighteenth of the picture. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's a small part. There's so much to it. And I recently have been, you know, I've also been working on, you know, as I've mentioned to you and I know you too, Ben, my own traumas and my own healing and how much of a process it is and really understanding. Um, I think one of the big breakthroughs I've had over the last few weeks is um, I used to think I needed to like heal and 
get this wound out of here, like get it Mm -hmm. over with or like close it up and make it not visible. But actually the beauty is the ownership and the love of it and understanding Mm -hmm. that it it is there, it will be there. And it's given me a lot of good too. And to just like own that within myself. And that's super empowering because I was watching recently YouTube of Jordan Peterson and his wife, Tammy, and they were doing a couple's like compatibility, like quiz or thing. And so it was amazing how they were talking about it in the sense where, for example, on agreeableness, Jordan would score like 98th percentile, whereas Tammy scored like 40th percentile. And Jordan would say something like, well, in regards to agreeableness, like it's bad in this in this sense because of xyz but it's actually really good that she's lower mm-hmm. in agreeableness because of this and the way we work on it together is because of this so mm-hmm. from this like neutral place to take the person that you love and see their characteristics and traits as just neutral and find how they fit with yours is inspiring because for me I was like most people are like oh I don't like that you're not that I don't like that and then they just move on Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how you guys work with each other's traits and like how that kind of fits together. I think being different is beautiful because <laughs> ah, we definitely yes. are. Like we, we have core beliefs that are similar, but we're different. Like I am totally the agreeable one for the most part. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Ben is like my challenger. Like I'm like, you know, yeah. he, the, here, this is a perfect example. I, I think the Enneagram's super helpful. Ben's like, it's a bunch of bullshit. Like, it's not even. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that, that perfectly sums up our personalities. Any like, personality test. <laughs> Screw it. Um, totally. Like, it is, but we are, we're, I'm like, so like, I'm like, I'm going to cry at the drop of the hat. Like, I'm, yes. I'm tender. I'm gentle. I'm like, if somebody like needs to be called out, I'm like putting my hand on their shoulder. Like, okay. Well, you know what? Let me just like say it in a way that's like really yes. beating around the bush. And Ben will just be like, "You really messed up." Like, come on, like <laughs> say it like blunt, like blunt edge. And so that was really interesting to navigate because growing up, nobody's blunt. Nobody st- says straightforward like what is going on, what they're feeling. They just right. hold it in. They just hold it in. Right. They. This is huge. This is a huge topic forgiveness and bitterness are what eats slowly away at a marriage and Mm. destroys a marriage because you could push things down for years and then finally you just have a moment where you're just done. And I think that's what we see a lot in relationships because we don't learn to actually let things go and to forgive and, and to deal with bitterness as it comes versus it piling Absolutely. up. Cause we, I think that we both had to do some backtracking at first because yeah. there was a lot of like, I, I think I will take ownership, probably me the most, but more just because of my personality, like, cause I just stuff it all down and I wouldn't say it or I didn't know how to communicate it. And then of I would course. just be angry and bitter. And I was just like so mad at things that happened like three years ago. And I would have to like backtrack <laughs> and actually heal. And what I'd find hundred percent of the time, you know, Ben can take his responsibility, but hundred percent of the time, the reason why I was bitter wasn't actually because of what Ben did, but it was what he did that triggered what was in me that was not healed. Yeah. That going right back to what you guys said at the very <laughs> beginning of the looking at yourself when the other person triggers you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something you, you just said though, made me think about relationships and 
what's fascinating is when two people come together where there's that instant attraction and then, you know, it starts blossoming into a uh, relationship is usually on both sides, there's this opposites attract is true, but when it comes to the big things, same attracts like Mm. your faith and how you view the world and you want to have kids and those kind of things. Like those got to be an alignment, right? But the opposite part that attracts uh, you to the other person is usually something that inspires you about how you wish you could show up in the same way that as this other person, like, wow, they are so outgoing and free spirited. Like, I wish I had the same level of freedom in that that person has. Yes. And that person is looking the opposite direction and just like, wow, I, I wish I had the same level of peace and contentment with life that, <laughs> that they seem to have. Right. And it's yeah. both sides. It's, it's coming from usually a level of brokenness yeah. that like there's fear in how to show up that way for one person. Yeah. But then there's also like, feeling like you have to entertain people and be the center of intention. Uh, that's mm. also coming from a broken place on the other person. Mm. And as that relationship and the intimacy grows and comes together, well, now those are the things two years down the road that drive you nuts about each other. That's mm. funny. And that makes sense. <laughs> but I, that's happening by design because relationships are for transformation. You see Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, hell yeah. I have thought to myself, because Chloe, you and I are extremely similar, um, Mm -hmm. absolute like former people pleaser and all the things. (laughs) I have always found it to be so attractive, like men and women alike. When they're blunt, I'm like, ooh, how'd you do that? Oh, yeah. I used to attract (laughs) only that type of woman as a friend. Like all my girlfriends would be like just blunt and like, I would just be like little timid, like, oh, what should we do? And they're like, we're going to do this and I was like oh okay <laughs> and I was like okay like whatever you say and so now I'm more rounded and I've attracted a lot yes. of small friends that are a little more like me and I, yes. I speak my mind a little more but um but yeah yeah no Ben's right like I think it drove me nuts at first like when he would be so blunt, I was like, can't you just be gentle? Like, I just want you to be gentle. And then now it's like come full circle where not that he needed to change, but like, even if he's maybe not generally gentle. Sure. To be fair, he is so much more gentle and sweet and like loving even than when we first met. But like that bluntness, now I like, I admire it so much, but he also like, he hasn't changed in a bad way. Like I haven't influenced him. Like you need to change, but like he, yeah. he feeds off of like my energy where I'm, I'm a little more gentle and I like sure. inquire and I like, you know, I sit there with someone now he, I'd see him do that a little bit more, but then he yeah. probably sees me on the other side of that. Like I let my anger out a little bit more. I'm like, all yeah. right, this is not okay. This is how <laughs> I feel good. about this. Yes. It's like, now, we've changed for the better, but we the things that we admired about the other person that we didn't feel like we had, those things have healed. And so now, mm. not that our personalities have changed, but now we, we have a healthier view of those personality traits that were so familiar to us before. Mm-hmm. So, this is beautiful. Yeah. It's like the integration of the other, which yeah. is the whole point. This is why like, I do believe strongly in this like 
in a duo. Like if you think about the world and the universe and the moon and the sun and like, yeah. you know, the sun has the day shift, the moon has the night shift, like they're partners, like masculinity, femininity, yin yeah. and yang. It's like the integration of each of those things is such a um, powerful experience. And I do believe that that's like what gets to happen and the polarity that comes through all of that. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to say one more thing. This is yeah. super, super backtracking. There was at some point that you said something about like being ready and like, ha- like being ready to meet that person. And like, I've thought about this so much because like, I think that, so when we first met and you, we've talked about this so many times, like we had a list for the other person and like there was right. negotiables and non-negotiables and they were more like right. on those core values, yada, yada. But I think people feel like they have to like be ready, quote unquote. And I right. think that there's some, some level that's true. But like, if we look back when we first met, we had a lot to work on still. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe we had some things right, but like we had a lot that we could work on. So yeah. I think for the person that's like trying to be perfect like there's this element of like being intentional and like sure yes become the person that you want to be matched with yeah become your version of your best self so that as you become like a better version of yourself you're going to attract people that want to be the better version of themselves but at the same time like having an unattachment that like you don't need to like have it all figured out right in this moment that you're just striving so I just needed to backtrack because I, I think sometimes like when we've told people we had this list, they just like assume that we were, oh, you guys just had it all figured out when you first met. No, mm. sir. There were times that were very hard and that we had to really like step into growth. You got to be honest with what you want to. You know, you look around on the internet, the news, whatever media is coming at you. And there's like this huge push to almost like there's shame and not finding somebody attractive for a certain thing. And the most extreme version of this is like, I remember seeing stuff that people were reposting this, these news articles, like it was a good thing that all of a sudden it's a transophobe or something like that. If a guy doesn't want to date a trans woman and it's just like, Mm. no. Mm. And in fact, I'll take it to the extreme. When I was mapping out, like, who do I actually want in a woman? Like it's the most misogynist whatever that you could come up with. Cause like, I wanted it to her to be hot. I wanted to, yeah. her to be healthy fit. I wanted her to be as uh, wanting to be a stay at home mom. And I wanted her to want to have kids. I wanted her to be able to be a great cook and yeah. take care of the house. It's like, there's different roles in a relationship naturally. And you can define yeah. however you want your relationship to look like, but that's what I wanted. Yeah, I wanted to bring in the provision and yeah. um, protect my family and those kind of things. And it was like, I need that to support the mission and vision that, that I have. I think the reason where we could like that can get caught and like misunderstood is that maybe if that's what he expected, then I would feel trapped or disempowered in some way, shape or form. Right. And that I wasn't being quote unquote honest with myself, that right. I, I wasn't being powerful. And that really actually bothers me because I feel like that it takes away from this like thing that women have and women have alone that we can create life. 
And I, it was always such a joy for me at a young age. Like I couldn't wait to be a mom and I loved kids. I worked at a daycare before I was ever even dating anybody. Like I just loved kids. Like I would watch my little sister who's way younger than me. We're like 11 years apart, but I'd be like, I'll watch her. Cause I just wanted to be Love around her. Yeah. And- so, and then when Ben had yeah. a child, I was like, oh, her and I are going to go play princesses. Like, come here. I'm going to brush your hair. Like, I just, yeah. that was who I was. That is not like, like Ben saying in roles and relationships, it does not have to look like exactly like that. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that if a woman's like bringing in more money, that that's the wrong way to do it. But totally. I think that it is important to be honest and to not yeah feel so much shame or to feel upset that that's how a relationship should work or to even like look outside of yourself. And if somebody says it's wrong for you to go, is it really wrong? Like, is that yeah. I, like do it? Cause I remember when we first got married, like I just felt all this pressure and, and I love like being a business owner. I love it. Like that's a big part of who I am too. I, I'm a creator. I love to create, totally. but at the same time, like I felt so much pressure when we first got married, like you need to have a business, you need to be a boss, yeah. babe. you need to be all these people like you need to have your own thing and if you don't have your own thing then he'll leave you and that's such an icky like thing to put on a marriage especially if nobody's been inside of your marriage so all that to say like not to be too controversial but like generally Ben is so right like being honest with yourself first and then hey if if this is who I am and what I want then this is the type of person that I want to be paired with and that you don't have to share in everything like we don't have to equally do the cleaning and equally earn this much money so that we can be equals that doesn't that's not what makes us equals because being equals is intrinsic it's, it doesn't, there's nothing you can do. Like, and so it's a, it's a worthiness conversation. Like there's nothing yep. that you can do to earn your value. Yeah. Your value is intrinsic. Men and women are equal in their value. There's nothing that can change that. And yet just biologically, they may, might want different things and that's okay. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that, but you just have to articulate it. So I remember seeing one of the best videos ever on somebody driving that point home of intrinsic value. And he pulls yeah. out a nice, clean, crisp $100 bill and says, yeah. who wants this? Yeah. And everybody was just like, yeah, I want it. <laughs> and then he crumpled it up, threw it on the ground, stepped on it, uh, like stomped on it for a minute and then picked it back up and pulled it back out. And he was just like, who still wants this? Yeah. Everybody's hand went up <laughs> and it's just like the point he was making is it's still worth a hundred dollars even if you might have gone through some shit. I love that. Thank you for saying all of that, Ben, because, and I'm going to say something, honestly, I don't want to be too controversial either, but I'm going to. I think that a lot of the like independent woman stuff is just jealousy, right? Jealousy when you see a woman that is in her feminine mm-hmm. and actually being taken care of and actually being loved and adored and actually being free to focus on the things she cares about, family, love, creation, peace, calm, beauty, making a home, making everyone feel good and warm. Yeah. I admire these women that own, like I have friends that just crush it in business. Like they make like more than us just by themselves. Yeah. They're amazing. And I'm like, you're amazing. Like you're boss babe. But when I talk to them, just generally, this isn't who everybody needs to be. 
they're like, well, I, I do want to be married someday. I actually yeah. do want a family, but it's hard for me. Like I just have had to live so in my masculine for so long because I had yeah. to take care of myself. And so yeah. maybe there's some people that like as a woman, you could be more in your masculine. We need both. Like I have That's, my masculine. Yeah, Totally. Yeah, both. But I think that sometimes like we're just conditioned as women to be in our masculine a lot. And not that you have to be in your masculine if you're a woman taking care of yourself. Like that's not what I'm saying at all. Right. But we're just conditioned by culture and by different right. life experiences because the masculine is this energy in us that protects and guards and gets stuff done. And we and I totally. need that thoroughly but that also needs feminine energy yeah I think that's amazing and I think the purpose of this podcast really is to there's a couple things that it's intentioned for and one is to bring men and women together from a neutral place to see Mm -hmm. their each other's perspectives number two is to debunk like crazy ideas about what masculinity is and to actually just Mm -hmm. understand what masculinity is and the value and power it brings and number three is to redirect femininity to a place that actually adores and appreciates the feminine (laughs) versus where it is now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is anti-femininity equals feminism. Right. Yeah. Right. And feminism equals man-hating. Right. All of that stuff, which is not getting us anywhere. So I think it's really powerful to hear you guys talk about the trauma, your relationship, the ways you guys just like work on yourselves and each other and just like everything you represent. Ben, I mean, when I think of masculinity, I really I do think of you. I think of you and your stability, the way that you make people feel safe and expressive and you just make everyone around you feel really calm and good. And it's really inspiring. Thank you. Of course. And Chloe, I mean, the way I think of you is I I do think of you as someone that is feminine at her core with a really beautifully integrated masculine. Thank you. And it's just amazing to watch you guys. And I'm so grateful for all the little tidbits that you have shared, all the wisdom. I think there's so much in this that people can take and just kind of embody and close their eyes and really ask themselves, what do I want? Not what do I think I want? What should I want? What do I truly desire as a human? Yeah. Aww. Any last words? This was a blessing for yeah, anybody's listening. I hope. And just to clarify, if anybody's listening and they're like upset or hurt, like you get to choose how you want to live. You're not wrong for wanting different things than what we talked about. So just like take that for context. But everything that we said principle wise, like just consider that. Like if, even if marriage is not the decision that you make or something that you want, like consider the principles of like Mm -hmm. trauma and working on self and asking questions, like even going so far as to ask if you're not, you're like marriage, like, why do I feel that way? What influenced Mm -hmm. that? Or if I do want marriage, okay, what influenced that? Like neutral, Mm -hmm. like you said with Jordan Peterson, like he super neutral. I think neutrality is super important. Like that's something we learned in our coaching program that we met in, like, Our leaders were very neutral and it created a really safe space to question things and to wonder and to not be offended and to just instead like ponder. And I think the world in general could use a lot of that right now, just some neutrality and like looking (laughs) at both sides of things because, oh boy. Yeah, (laughs) boy is right. Well, neutrality and just like, and neutrality a lot of times leads to honesty with yourself and like whatever that shame feeling comes up saying like, Hey, there's no shame here. There's no shame. There's no guilt. 
this is just neutral. This is what I'm feeling and what's coming up. Even if it scares you, you should allow it. You should totally allow it. Thank you so much, Ben and Chloe Gower, for your wisdom, for your love, and for your energy. Just so beautiful. Of course. Until next time, going to sign off, guys. Thank <laughs> you.